We've been in a series of just for three weeks, MVP, talking about mission, vision, and planning. This is going to be like the good old TV show where they have a spinoff TV show. You ever seen those? They have a show and they spin one off from that. This is a spinoff series of MVP, okay? This is going to be called Divine Direction as we enter into the summer. And this is hopefully going to be extremely just practical, helpful um, for our lives as we make decisions. How many of you have ever um, made a decision? Okay. I think it's part of the human experience that we make decisions. How many make many decisions every day? Right. How many have ever had a hard time making a decision? Yes. How many often have a hard time making decisions? Some people, every decision is a hard decision. Even which, which jam I'm going to spread on my toast. This is hard. I don't know. Strawberry? Blueberry? I don't know. Or maybe I don't want jam at all. Maybe I want butter. Maybe I don't want butter. It can be challenging. Um, so we're going we're gonna to be in a series called Divine Direction, and we're going to look at, this morning, Wisdom to Discern. And that's what we're going to look at. That's the name of the, the, the message. If you want to follow along, um, oh boy, I didn't get one of the little follow-alongs. Thank you. No, no, you get another one, though. I thought I had one, but I did Thank you. I, I want to make sure I give you the blanks. It's got to be, got to be there. Um, <clears throat> Have you ever felt life is getting complicated? Have you ever felt your life is getting more complicated? Um, I don't know if you think back when you were just a child. Maybe that wasn't that long ago. Four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old. You know, life was pretty simple. And even back in the, the, the times, I don't know how old maybe that wasn't that long, maybe it was. But it used to be pretty simple, you know. You had a few things you had to do. Maybe you had to get your chores done. You know, you didn't want to do that. But, I mean, other than that, it was just, you just played with your friends and you did what you did. And, it seems like today things are getting more and more complicated. The world is getting more and more uh, confused and troubled, and, and there's so much tension and all these things going on that sometimes uh, the world in which we live, wisdom is such a, a missing element. How do we navigate this complicated world with people with different viewpoints, people coming out and, and, and having hostility toward one another, and people uh, can't seem to get along anymore. We can't even seem to have just a genuine conversation with someone else without it getting out of hand. And so this is something that we all need, is, is the, will, the ability to discern and have wisdom to discern. One of the most commonly asked questions that uh, pastors get, um, and, and especially as it relates to those who are trying to follow Jesus with their lives, is what does God want me to do? When we face crossroads in our lives, what, what does God think about this? What does he want me to do here? And that is something that we will encounter time after time, again and again, if we're trying to serve the Lord, we're trying to follow Jesus. What does God want me to do? Uh, many articles are written today about how it's just difficult for people to make decisions, especially in the millennial generation. And in just this day and time, the decision-making is becoming harder and harder. And I'm going to give you two reasons here. Why is decision-making becoming such a challenge? Uh, there's probably many reasons, but here's two. Simplify it. <laughs> One is that there's too many options. There's too many choices. Whatever, write in there whatever you want. Too many options, too many choices. It's your choice. <laughs> you can write either way. What you want to do. Um, they have something they've studied. It's actually called decision fatigue. Decision fatigue. This is something that psychologists will study. And this is what happens to the human brain when there are so many choices, so many options, so many things presented that our decision making becomes fatigued. That we can't decide. We, we chose this this morning, later this, we have to choose this. At the end of the day, we are fatigued from decision making. Um, if you've ever done wedding planning, all the decisions, you know, when you're planning your wedding, maybe you're just like, ah, care, which is probably the best way to do it. But that can be such a stressful time, and that's why you get bridezillas and all this sort of stuff, 
all the decisions, all this stuff. I don't know. It's stress. So many, so many options. Um, uh, Starbucks back in 2003 said that they can get, they have 19,000 beverage possibilities when you go to Starbucks. 19,000. Sandrine and I went to Starbucks this morning and they couldn't even get her tea figured out in the thing. She wanted green tea without milk. And they were saying, I don't know. They bring somebody else over. How do we do green tea without, I mean, look, this is weird, you know? 19,000 possibilities. That's tough on the person working there. How do I punch it all in? What's well, tough for us working? I don't know. I just get the same thing I always get. That's how we do it. Uh, Amazon sells 100, no, 1,161 kinds of toilet brushes. In case you're wondering what type of toilet brush to clean your toilet with, you have 1,161 types of toilet brushes you can pick from on Amazon. It's good. Just in case you didn't get the right one, you know, the one with a little thing that scrubs under, however you like it. Um, but the studies show that the more choices we are presented with, often the less happy we are with the results, whatever our decision may be. Because you think, man, did I really? This happens in the, in the dating world. We'll date this person, this person, this person. Eh, did I get the right one? Maybe there's more people out here. And we get all wigged out about it. Uh, maybe that wasn't your problem. Like, it didn't have a whole lot of options. So I just went with the one that liked me. That was good. No, I don't know. Um, you know, back in the old days, vacation. You just went to grandma's house. Who just went to grandma's for vacation? That's what we did. And then, like, once in a blue moon, we went to Disney World. But it was usually summer to grandma's, winter to grandma's. That was vacation. Nowadays, you have people posting on Facebook, I went to this place, I went, you know, I went to the Caribbean, I went to Hawaii, I went to Barbados, I went to Fiji, and you know, all over the place, like, oh man, I gotta do that. That sounds really fun. And on and on we go, there's so many more decisions. You remember old TV? We used to have the, the, the TV that you had to turn the dial, you remember those? Alright, where we actually had the broken TV console and the little TV on top, whoever did that? That's straight up ghetto, but we did that, that's how I would admit. And so if you want to change the channel, you had to go uh, 17, TBS, Braves game in Atlanta. That's what we did. 17, my little brother, no, channel 8, Wild America. We had this fight, and then we would sit on him, and that would solve the problem because he was little. So we'd go back. But it was really like two, two choices. You know, we had a few stations. Nowadays, you got cable. You know, do we get cable? Do we get sling? Do we get, you know, what do we do? I mean, we have all these options here. What do we do? It's just to pick which TV show we watch. You ever get on Netflix, you just go searching and you actually spent two hours not watching a movie, but searching for a movie to watch. Uh, that's, that's the world in which we live. Too many options. And that can make us, um, honestly, less happy with the results of our life. Ah, oh, wasted all this time. Oh, I should have done this. Oh, man, what if I did that? And we just second guess everything because of all the choices. Maybe we didn't pick the best one. And here's the second one. This fits in with that. It's the illusion of perfection. The illusion of perfection. I mean, I don't know if this has changed a lot, but I think it has. Growing up in my, in my home, I mean, you always try to put your best foot forward as people. Present a nice, this is our nice little family. But I mean, you know, you grew up in the neighborhood playing with your friends. I mean, there was a buddy that we played with in the neighborhood. His dad was always, he was an alcoholic. He was drunk all the time. And he'd come out, and he'd yell at us and scream at us for riding in his garage and do what? Oh, man, stay away from him, you know? And there's broken families and stuff. Nowadays, I think there's this, this idea that we got to present this perfect picture of everything, especially with social media. Oh, look at my perfect plate of food. <laughs> look at my perfect picture on Easter. We're all smiling. Look at my perfect, we just went down, came right out of church, just you know, woke up. We, we have this ability to capture these perfect moments and present it to the world. And we, we start comparing people's highlight reel with our behind the scenes footage. We know the behind the scenes of our life. Man, I'm, 
my life's not that great. And this is all this perfection. I'm always seeing all this great stuff. And, and so there's this illusion of perfection that we live within. Somebody was telling me at work today that the new thing that they're doing is prom puzzles. This is prom season. We're getting out of prom season. I don't know if anybody did this at Lexington High School, but it's like a proposal for, for a marriage or for a wedding. But they do this elaborate thing to propose just to go to prom. It's like you set all this stuff. You got these, you know, with band marching and do 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 do. You know, like you got to do it up above the next person, videotape it, then post it. There's this pressure, man. I, I want to ask her out, but I don't have a huge thing planned. Maybe she won't say yes. I don't know. This illusion of perfection. So it's hard to navigate and make decisions. How do I do this? Even if you're a believer, what we can add to that is this idea of the perfect will of God. Don't you want to be in the perfect will of God, Brother Mike? Amen. That sounds just that sounds like I should be. Why well, I say no? No, I don't want to be in the perfect will of God. Yes. But what is that? What is the perfect will of God anyways? And so that just that wording, that phrasing, which is not in the Bible, but it's a phrasing that we came up with in the church, kind of a, it illustrates maybe that there's some sort of blueprint for my life that if I really got everything right in my decision, I could I'll be in this divine blueprint for my life that everything is perfectly how God wanted. And I don't want to goof it up. I don't want to mess it up. But that's paralyzing. That's paralyzing. Because how can you be perfect all the time? I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. And, and, and God says, hey, let's be perfect. But that perfect is, let's be shooting for perfection of love, of our, where our, our, we are in our hearts. It's not that we're going to get everything right. But the idea of this perfect, Perfection, the illusion of perfection can even cause us in, in the church world to, to be paralyzed. There's this idea that there's that perfect one to marry. You ever grew up with maybe as a young girl, like, there's that one, the one knight in shining armor, the, the perfect one. But you know, that whole concept doesn't work because if somebody screwed that up along the way, maybe you married the wrong person, you've messed it up for everybody else. You started a domino chain, and, and now you married the wrong person. Now they married the wrong person. And thanks a lot. You messed it all up. And you might be raising your hand. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> yeah, that, I was there. <laughs> that was me. Um, but that, that, doesn't, that doesn't fly if you really think through it. I don't know that there's a perfect one for you. Maybe that doesn't sound as, as Hollywood and fairy tale and Disney as we want it. But, you know, maybe this is we're overcomplicating what God's will is for our life. Maybe we're overcomplicating what God wants us to do. So here's the point. This is this illusion of perfection and all these things going on. We have a generation that is afraid of making imperfect decisions. We're afraid of, of making a mistake. And so what that can do is paralyze us and keep us stuck where we are. I'm guilty of this. I, I have a perfectionist streak in me. Now, it doesn't streak everywhere because there's certain parts. You look at my garage right now. Definitely not perfect. I didn't let Sandrine in my garage. Don't come in my garage. It's not perfect. It's bad. Um, but there's parts of me that I want to present this perfect, yeah, I did it all right, I'm, you know, I got this together. I got a hundred on the test, I, yeah, I got this. But who, is, who can maintain that all the time? The pressure of that is impossible. And so sometimes we get locked in where we are because we, we're so afraid of making a mistake that we don't move forward. So in the next three weeks, we're gonna look at divine direction. How do we grow in our decision making? How do we grow when, when it's becoming more difficult to decide, where do I go to college? Should I date this person? Should we get married? Should we have another kid? Should we buy a house instead of rent? Should we get another car? Should we take this job? Should I move? Should I? All the things of life, the decisions we make. And here's what, here's what I can tell you, and this would sound great. If you're a follower of Jesus, God will show you exactly what he wants you to do. There'll never be any doubt in your mind, Mike. 
You'll be 100% sure, and there'll never be any problems or obstacles at all. How many of you guys know that's a load of garbage? All right? Everything I just told you is completely not true. Completely not true. Let me show you what, let me show you from the Bible. I'm not just making that up. Let me show you in Scripture. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 16, 6 through 9. This is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament. His letters to the churches ended up being what we consider the scriptures, Holy Spirit inspired scriptures. He would think this guy has a connection to God. He knows what God is saying. He's writing it. Okay, so his life must be perfectly, all his decisions, clear as can be. But let's see what he says. 1 Corinthians 16, 6 through 9. It says, perhaps I will stay with you for a time or even all winter. Then you can help me on my trip wherever I go. I do not want to see you just now in passing. I hope to stay a longer time with you if the Lord allows. See, Paul is absolutely certain what he's doing, right? No. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. Okay, I won't do that. Because a great, a good opportunity for a great and growing work has been given to me. So here's an opportunity, an open door. Okay, I'm going to... I'm going to stay here for this opportunity. But guess what? And there are many people who were working against me. So there's a great opportunity here, but there's people working against me at the same time. This is not an easy opportunity. This is Paul's life, especially as he went around planting churches, spreading the good news of Jesus. I'm not sure where I'm going next. I would like to stay with you, but I don't know. I'm going to go here because it looks like a door's open, but these people working against me. It's not going to be easy. This is going to be hard. But it seems like it's an opportunity from God. This is how Paul established the churches. Not with a great deal of certainty everywhere he went. This is exactly what. This is exactly. This is. But going in a sense of what God was doing. Not being 100% sure. But willing to take steps of faith. And do what he felt the Lord saying that he needed to do. See Paul didn't always know exactly what. But this is what we talked about last week. God cares first what. Who before do. Who we are. Before what we do. That's the most important thing. God cares about who you are. Not just what you're doing. And why you're doing what you're doing. Before what you're doing. The motivations in your heart. Why do you do what you do? Why, why, do, you, why do you care about this? Why are you deciding to do that? This is what God cares about first. This week we're going to look at how God will give us wisdom to decide. Sometimes we want God to have a divine download. You ever download something? You know, Here it is. The file I got on my computer. This is what we want God to do. Just download the, the, everything in my head. Boom, I'll do it. But that's not always what God does. He doesn't give us a divine download. He gives us divine direction. And so we're going to look at how we have wisdom to decide. In the Old Testament, there is a uh, king named Solomon. You may be familiar with him. Solomon uh, was said to be the wisest man who ever lived. But how did he become this way? Well, when he started his reign as king, he was David's son. He sacrificed uh, a, a very generous and abundant sacrifice to the Lord and he asked the Lord said what, what do you want I will give you whatever you want and he could have asked for wealth he could have asked for power fame all these sort of things but he requested that God would give him wisdom to rule effectively above everything else give me wisdom so I can rule these people with effectiveness so they will know you that we can be on track with you God and God was so moved by this Request that he granted them everything else as well on top of that. And Solomon writes in Proverbs 4, 7, getting wisdom, this is very simple, but getting wisdom is the wisest thing you could do. 
And whatever you do, develop good judgment. Wisdom, skill in living. That's the definition of the Old Testament. How skill in living our life. This is the wisest thing we can do. Getting a nice car, okay. Getting a nice house, all right. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. Lord, how do I make good decisions? How do I go forward? How do I keep moving in what you want me to do and not getting stuck in one place because of fear? So, to, so how do we develop directional wisdom? What is the process? Here's three points I'll give you this morning and we will be done. Three keys to directional wisdom. Number one is this, to walk. To walk. Let me explain this. Proverbs 13, 20. It says, to walk, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Amen. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Very often, making good choices is a direct result of associating with those who are making good choices. Amen. And the opposite is true as well. Making poor choices is a result of associating with those who are making poor choices. As simple as that is, sometimes it's hard to, to really get that in our, in our head. Because we don't see it that clearly sometimes. Well, that's my buddy. That's my friend. You got three dudes on the front of a pickup truck. Oh, well, bigger, man. Let's see what, we're, you know, that's going to be going back. That's, that's not good, right? <laughs> making good choices is a direct result from associating with those who are making good choices. Teachers know this. If you're a teacher, you got a kid cutting up, it's usually a group of them. You move the kid, boom, put him over here. Oh, wow, he's a good kid now. Wow, imagine that. He just totally transformed. No, I pulled him out of this environment, put him over here, and now he's not stuck with this crew, and now he's a different kid. Who we associate with is really key on the choices we make. It, it influences more than we can imagine. And this is not just negative. You may be at a point in your life like, you know, I'm not hanging with the crowd I used to. I'm not doing all the stuff that you see. I'm not in that world. But this is not just a negative command. Hey, don't be a companion of fools. It's also a positive command to walk with the wise. The imagery here to walk is to not just have a brief conversation. Oh, Pastor Kerry's wise. He's been around for a while. He's been in ministry. I want to have a conversation with him one time and see how I can just download everything he's ever learned in his life. Just real briefly. Five minutes. Can we get it done? All right. Yeah, six minutes. Uh, walking, walking with somebody is not a brief conversation. It's not an occasional event. Walking with, it, it, it illustrates doing life with them. Having a relationship that's ongoing. To walk with the wise, we can't just briefly get wisdom from somebody that knows something and, and just move on with what we want to do. It, has, it takes a relationship. Um, this is why I believe our church really should value, and we're going to move forward into small group and to develop this type of relationship where we walk and do life with one another. To develop a system of, of relationships in our church body. So we don't just come to worship, which is what we're supposed to do, but we also walk with one another because there's wisdom to be had in this group and beyond this group. There's wisdom here that we can share with one another that it's not going to happen on Sunday because we're not walking together on Sunday. We're saying hello and giving a hug, but that's not walking with somebody. Right? So that's why that's an important value of what we want to do is so that we can build that relationship and I can gain wisdom from Mike. When you guys meet on Wednesday, that's the depth of you guys' relationship, right? When you have your small group meeting, that's when you guys go deep, share wisdom, and that's how we grow spiritually. I mean, you're growing here, but there's a whole other thing going on when we walk and do life together. And so that's, that's the value of our church. That's something we want to do. 
So nobody, here's, here's the other thing, nobody's wise in everything. Sometimes we're looking for that one person who just seems to be like the genius, the Albert Einstein of all wisdom, you know, and, and we're just looking for them and, then, and that's the person we want to walk with. But you know what? We all have flaws and we all have things that we know. And so this is important to walk with people and, and gain wisdom in different areas. You know, if I wanted to uh, figure out, let me just make a real practical, how to work on my car, I would not ask my wife. I love my wife, but she knows nothing about cars, right? I would ask Brother Mike, I would ask my wife's father, he knows some stuff about cars, I would not ask her. You know, certain people have expertise and areas of wisdom and, and experience, other people, you know, you've got to know that. And so rather than looking for that one person that knows everything, walk with different people in different areas of your life. If you want to be uh, closer to the Lord, maybe your devotional life is not where you want it to be. Well, find somebody that has a good devotional life, and, and hey, how do you do it? What do you, and I know Mike has been doing this. He's been meeting with guys and talking with them. This is what this scripture is all about, gaining wisdom from people that have experience. Now, the guy that's teach, teaching about devotional life, he may not know much about finances. You know, may not be his area, but maybe there's somebody you can walk with and say, you know, help me get my finances straight. I keep finding that there's less money at the end of the month, and I'm going in the red all the time. I don't know what's going on here. Help me figure out a budget, how to get on track here. So maybe there's somebody else you're walking with in that. Maybe it's relationships. You walk with somebody like, you know, I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good husband or a good wife. Who's somebody I can look to and, and walk with? Just learn from them. Maybe just hang out with them. Come see their family. And realize that it's not, it's not perfect. There's actually a lot of flaws. But this is kind of the general idea there. Okay, I get something. I get that. Um, I did this as a, as a young person. I don't even know that I was thinking that intentionally about it. But I, I think I was. I, I knew that God had called me to be a pastor. To be a youth pastor for that season specifically. And so it was something that was so on my heart that I didn't want to just wait till later and say, well, I'll just go to school and learn stuff. But at that time, I saw my youth pastor and I said, you know, I want to do something intentional. When I was a senior in high school, um, I, I took half of my classes and I got, did an internship. They had some program in school where you could do an internship program. I just I figured it out. I did an internship program. So I only took like three classes and the rest were an internship. So I left school every day, which is nice. I would leave early and I would drive and I would hang out with my youth pastor. And we would, he would just, we would just do life. We'd go get coffee or we would do stuff at the church and he would show me this. Hey, this is what I do on the computer. And I'm telling you that, that was such a benefit to me at that time of, of gaining confidence, of learning things I would have never known just by sitting in the classroom. Um, I felt as I went to school and I did my education that I was, I don't know, I just felt like I was in a different thought process than a lot of other, my peers. Not that I was better than them or anything, but a lot of them were just kind of like, hey, I'm in school, whatever. We'll figure it out when we get there. I was like, no, man, I got I to gotta learn everything I can learn because I know I don't, I don't have it together. So I got to learn everything I can. And so this is something we can all do in our, in our lives. And here's the truth. You may be a person that can put your arm around somebody. You've been walking with the Lord for a while. You've been in, you have areas of wisdom, and, and this is your season to really share that, to help somebody else, to lift them up. This is your place in the body of Christ. So you know what? I, I, I've been through some things. I've learned some things. I've gained some wisdom. And here I am to help you and to lift you up. I'm not here just to come and sing and put, you know, put my tie in the offering and move on with my life. I'm here to help others in their faith and in their walk. That's why I'm here in this, this body. So we must evaluate our closest relationships. Where are we being led? We must continue this effort to walk with those who are wise. Being intentional about it is important. In fact, I mean, even as I'm trying to do my best to be a leader and a, and a pastor and help us move forward in the church. I'm meeting with another church planner tomorrow. I'm sought this guy out on Facebook. I'm like, hey, just give me some insight what you're doing. There's a local guy who's planting a church. I'm just trying to glean from him. So I'm trying to I'm trying to model this in my own life, even though I don't get it perfect. 
But I'm trying to do this so I can be the best person I can be. I can gain wisdom in my life. Uh, number two. Number two is, is ask. James 1.5 says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. This seems so simple. But you know, hey, ask God. But sometimes, you know, we under-spiritualize our lives. We honestly get busy, distracted. We're just kind of going through, ah, you know, just doing what I do. And we don't stop and ask, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, give me wisdom. We just get so distracted and busy. That, that can be, maybe that's you, I don't know. I think of my kids doing their homework and they're frustrated. Just ask me. I mean, I, I did third grade homework. I, I did that. I can help you. But, you know, I'm not trying to do your homework. So if you're not asking me, I'm not kind of jump in there and do it for you. But if you have an issue, ask me. That's what God's heart. He's watching over. Ask me. God's not going to try to jump in and manage your life. But if you ask the Lord, hey, I need wisdom here. He's going to come in as a, as a good father and help you. But, you know, sometimes now, some people under-spiritualize it. But I was thinking, you know, some people over-spiritualize it. Think about this. I think God's wisdom will come down to us like a, a trumpet from heaven, angels, harps playing. If, if God's going to tell me something, all right, ready? One, two, three. No, he didn't say anything. I don't know. God must not be real. He didn't say. I didn't hear anything. That's not how it works. I mean, it could, I guess, but that's not usually how it works. God doesn't speak to us just with a, a trumpet from heaven. We, he speaks to us in, in a number of ways. It could be simple as just opening what he's already spoken, the Bible, and reading what's there. <laughs> Wisdom in the scripture, okay? That's, that's step one. Okay, what has God already said? Because it's here. And then if, if we're still not clear, maybe it's as we walk with people that have been walking with the Lord. Well, okay, maybe I learned it in this relation, this conversation we're having. I'm getting more clarity. Um, it, it can be a number of ways, but sometimes we over-spiritualize it and think that it's going to be some magical moment. And I believe the Holy Spirit will, will work and speak, but it, sometimes it's just a tug on our heart. You know, this seems like what we should be doing here. You know, the, Lord, the Bible says the Lord is a good shepherd, and the good shepherd guides the sheep. Psalm 23 talks about this. In Psalm 32, 8, it says this, The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. What's it say here? I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Guide, advise, watch over. Yes, there are clear commands in the scripture. There's things that the Bible says, and we know that. So we don't need to seek more for wisdom when the Bible already says X, Y, and Z. This is what I want you to do. Should I love my neighbor? Hmm. Well, yes, it's in there. Love your neighbor. You know, there's things the Bible says very clearly. We don't have to debate them. But many things are not spelled out. But the Lord says he will guide you. He will advise you. He will watch over you. Uh, very recently, I taught Olivia how to ride a bike. Now, I had part of it. I don't know. Maybe Cassie helped too. But we're all in this, this mix. But part of it, if you've ever taught a child how to ride a bike, maybe you've had this opportunity. It's a, it's a cool moment. It can be frustrating if you don't think clearly. But I can't tell her how to ride a bike. Do this, do this, do this. I have to guide her, I advise her, and I watch over her. We took one up to the soccer fields. I grabbed the back of the seat. You ever done that? You know, you walk with her, okay. 
I'm guiding you. We're going to stay in the right way. I got you. All right. I'm going to advise you. Keep pedaling. Keep pedaling. All right. You got to pedal because you can't go without pedaling. And then I'm going to watch over you. And when I watch over, what I do? I let go. All right. It's on you. Pedal. And you know what happened? In that process, she learned how to ride the bike. Guide, advise, watch over. And God will do that in our lives. He's not coming to pedal your life. God is not trying to pedal your life. That's your life. He, give, he gave it to you. This is my gift to you to live. You can live it and you can live against the Lord. You can do whatever you want because he's given you free will. But if you seek God, he will give you the best life you can have. And so he will guide you. He will advise you. He will watch over you as you pedal and live your life. He'll say, no, no, no. Don't go that way. That, that's, you know, there's a briar patch over here. That's not where you want to go. Let's go this way. And so the Lord will lead us this way, but it's not always this clarity, this blueprint that we think we might get. We need to ask God for wisdom, maybe even daily as we wake up in the morning. Ask the Lord, give me wisdom today to live a life that pleases you. But he is watching over us and he will help us. He will guide us, advise us and watch over. And finally, this keys to directional wisdom. Number three is to decide. We walk, we ask, and then we must decide. Who remembers the movie Karate Kid? Now, there's like 12 Karate Kids, so you may remember the most recent one. But the original Karate Kid, Mr. Miyagi. Oh, Mr. Miyagi. Oh, Mr. Miyagi. Let me get my Mr. Miyagi voice. I'm trying. He says this in the movie. Daniel-san, must talk. Walk on the road. Walk on the right side. Sit. Walk on left side, safe. Walk middle, sooner or later, get squished like rain. Remember that part? This is actually really good advice. This is good advice. Go, Mr. Miyagi. Paint, wax up and wax off. Paint the house. Um, because sometimes we get paralyzed by decision making and we stay right in the middle. I don't know, right here, right there, right there. I just want to, oh, I'm not freaking out. But we got to decide. There comes a point where we're making a decision is the most important thing we do. And if we don't make a decision, that's the biggest mistake. It's not making the wrong decision, it's just the fact we don't ever make one. And we stay kind of right where we are, where we think it's safe, but really it's the path where we get squished like a grape. So how do we decide? I mean, think, I don't know, but how do I decide? What if this door that's opening, what if that's really the devil? It's, a, it's an elevator shop I don't fall down in. You know, it's not an open door, it's an elevator, you know. What if that's really the case? What if, uh, this, is, this is not God's desire, but it's just my desire, what if I'm making this up? What if, you know, we can, we can make it so complicated. And there's things, like again, that God says, don't do this. Always do this. The Bible is clear on certain things, but when the Bible doesn't speak, let's let the Spirit lead us, and let's take steps of faith, and let's trust Him. And if we get off track, guess what happens when you get off track? You gain wisdom, right? God gives you wisdom. How many look back in your life and like, yeah, I've learned some things. You know, and you learn it by taking steps and doing things like, ooh, that was not it. I mean... I know, I mean, I can't speak for you, but I know as, as Pastor Kerry has led the church and led recovery programs and all the things he has done, the wisdom he's gained from the process. And he has got so much that he did not have before, and he can probably help others that were willing to ask him. And so this is how we live our life. If we just stay kind of safe, and I'm just going to do what I've always done, because I know this is safe, and I can do this. We don't gain the wisdom that God wants us to have because we just live a very simple and safe life. If we step out in faith and say, Lord, I'm going to try, I'm going to trust. 
I think this is what you need. We may receive opposition like Paul did. We may have hard times. We may have things come against us. But even if we make a mistake, even if it goes wrong, we gain wisdom. And we can be stronger for it. I, I look at Paul. You know, one time in Acts 16, he got a, a vision from God where to go. This Macedonian man showed up. This is where you need to go. Whoa. But you know, this is what it was more like. First Thessalonians 3.1. This is what he says. So when we could stand it no longer... We thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. I just can't stand it. Let's just do this. He made a decision. Doesn't sound very spiritual, but that's how we made decisions. Sometimes it doesn't look very spiritual. You know what? This is just what we're going to do. This is what we feel like God wants us to do, but this is what we thought was best. We thought about it, considered it, prayed about it, and we thought this was best. We made a decision. But what if I miss, make a mistake? What if I make a mistake? Well, God will get you back on track, and He will give you wisdom if you ask. So if you're here this morning, we're going to wrap this up. If you're, maybe you're, you're facing decisions in your life. You have something that may be significant. I don't know. Uh, maybe you feel like there's, there's some things I have to choose. I have to decide what are we going to do about this? Um, where do we go in my life? I want, to, I want to encourage you not to be paralyzed by fear and indecision. Maybe it's time for you to take a step of faith and move forward. Maybe it's time to walk with those who could provide wisdom. Seek out people that could speak into your life, who've been through things that you haven't been through. Ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then get to the point and say, you know what? I'm going to decide. And I'm going to trust God that he's going to lead me. He's watching over me. He's guiding me. And he will help me. We would just together bow our heads and close our eyes as we wrap up the service this morning. You know, if you're here this morning and you would say, just like Solomon, I want wisdom to do what is right and to please God in my life. If you're here this morning and you say, oh, that's me, I, I do want wisdom in my life to do what's right and please God. Would you just lift your hand as a way of, of response to the Lord and say, Lord, give me wisdom in my life to please you, to do what's right, so I can follow you in this complicated time that we live. Maybe you're facing, you put your hand down. Maybe you're facing a decision this morning. And this is the time where you can really seek somebody out. Walk with people. See who is pouring into your life. Maybe it's time to pour into someone. Be available. But I'm just going to pray for us this morning that God will give us the wisdom as we take a step of faith as a church and as people. That he will give us wisdom to decide to discern what's right, and we'll move forward in faith and do what he wants us to do. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word this morning. God, we thank you for your presence here. I pray for those who are asking you for wisdom, that you would give them wisdom. I pray, Lord, for those who are facing decisions, that you would give them courage, and you would give them the ability to step through the doors that you're opening, the opportunities that are in front of them. And, Lord, I pray that you'll lead us and guide us as a church. You'll show us your will. Give us the courage to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.